Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So I've had three weeks of not preaching, so I'm really excited for tonight. And I got very excited this morning. I got up early, dressed, ready to go. I went downstairs, and my little seven-year-old who's wearing a tiger hat tonight said to me, are you going to wear that shirt? (laughs) It's not exactly what you want to hear, buddy, but I've got your shirt on. So he pitched up at church church about an hour and a half later because I had band practice. So he pitched up just before church and said, I brought you another shirt, Dad. (laughs) So I'm wearing your shirt now, buddy. So that's super, super encouraging. Thank you for that this morning. I just want to share a little testimony as well. We, were, we had an amazing time this morning. God some, did some very cool things. And, and Craig, my mate, got up to share a testimony of what God was doing. And he just felt God at the time to do something actually different. We, we never had someone pray for us in church. And he felt to pray for myself and Candace. And, and not for all our kids, but for our one little kid, Ben, who was our middle boy. And what we didn't know, and I found out after church, and Craig found out after church, which is super encouraging, is that behind the scenes in, in Life Kids, Ben had choked on chips or something, Estelle. And it had got lodged in his throat, and they had to give him the Heimlich and a whole bunch of stuff. And, um, and yet in the middle of a couple hundred people meeting, God calls a man to pray, but to single out one boy, Ben, because who knows what's happening behind the walls. And, and I don't know what you believe about prayer, I don't know what you believe about the power of God to do things way beyond what we could possibly imagine. But I believe I am not the strongest protector in my kids' lives. The King of Kings is. He he is not limited by walls. He is not limited by distance. He is limited by nothing. And I'm so proud of you, bro, for for thank you for that. I do get a little bit like, oh, don't pray for us. We, We get a little bit like, we come here to pray for others. But God knows. And God's in control. So it's a very, very encouraging and I don't know what you're praying for, but trust Him. You can trust Him. So we are really excited. We are continuing this amazing series. Um, I've been thinking about it, and so I'm probably way over-prepared, and I was this morning, because you've got three weeks on holiday, and I love this. I love what I get to do, and this is part of that. So we won't talk about rugby at all tonight. Um, It's just not something we're going to talk about. Not going to talk about the car we had stolen in Durban while we are on holiday. Not going to talk about that either. So we're just going to talk about happy things. Is that good? I'd like to read a scripture right up front. It's from 1 Peter 1 verse 13. And if I haven't met you, I've just looked around and there's a, a bunch of faces. I don't know. My name is Mark. I've been on holiday, so if you've joined recently, and I have the incredible privilege of being on this team and, and get to do this, preach the amazing word of God. And Peter's writing to the people. He's calling them. He's calling them to the living hope. And he spends eight or nine verses before the speaking about the living hope we have in Jesus. And, um, and, and he's praying to that. And if we can jump to slide number five, I just want to jump forward. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Amen. Can I pray? Spirit of God, we come tonight and we believe you are here with us. God, you are here. 
And I thank you for your word. And we come under your word tonight. I pray would your word speak with authority into our hearts and our lives. I pray would you reveal the King of Kings, Jesus, the Father. Would you, would you reveal into our hearts. I pray, would you speak, God, where where change needs to happen? Would would it happen inside and not outside first? Would it happen deep inside out of conviction and leading by your spirit and the truth of your word tonight? We say, let your work, your word do its work tonight, King. We worship you, God. Amen. We're in the series, God, God is. And if you were here this morning, we felt that we needed to speak this subject tonight, that God is holy God is holy, and we are doing this series, and God is loving, and God is kind, and God is faithful, and God is provider, and God is trinity, and God is father, and God is spirit. God is all of these things, but I truly, truly believe that if we don't get this truth that God is holy, we actually won't fully get the other attributes. You can't fully understand the graciousness of God without fully understanding that God is holy. So we're going to speak about that tonight, but I love this series Because it's calling us into a journey that was created for us in Genesis where God said, I'm going to make them in my likeness and image. And my continual ongoing journey is to become more and more like him. My journey is not to become more and more like a good church goer who ticks the church box. My journey is to become like him. To become more and more in his image and kindness. I saw this in my wife. She got saved out of drugs and and the nightclubs of Joburg and, and... God gripped her and called her out, and it literally was like he transformed her. And every three or four months, we'd go back and visit friends, her family in Joburg, and every time they would comment how different she was. Every time they would comment about how secure she was, because I married, uh, when we got together and we started dating, she was highly insecure. And how the father got involved in her life and began to transform and shape. See, our journey is to become more and more like Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing journey. And the problem is we can't do this by focusing on ourselves. But we live in a self-focused world where everything that is celebrated is when I focus on myself. I do this by keeping my eyes fixed on the King of Kings, focused on Him. We can't live out the Christian life joyfully and successfully in front of a mirror. And I was joking this morning. I I watched a guy. I made my comeback at gym this week. I know you know you noticed. And um, you can... And, um, <laughs> thank you, and, um, and, but there was a dude, I mean a big guy, like six, four muscles everywhere, but he's got very tight tights, like James Posthumus wears those very tight tights, and um, he was in front of the mirror, like, <laughs> like Jackie Chan, just going, wah, and I was like, that's awesome, but you're pretty much going to have to get in the ring sometime, otherwise that just looks like a dance that you're doing in tights, so you could do ballet with that, those moves that you're learning there. But our only hope is not to fix our eyes on ourselves and say, work harder on my jab. Our only hope is Hebrews 12 verse 1. And we get called into this big story. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the mace marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm not called to fix my eyes on anything else, especially not myself. Especially not. The gospel is fix your eyes on Jesus. If I put an iPhone in front of my children, I know I get peace for those moments because they get fixated on that little device. Don't judge me. 
until you've had three kids uh, all together. It happens. You just need to look at the world in Pokemon Go right now. People are getting run over because they're walking into roads chasing Pikachu. And they're walking into harbors because they don't know waters. They mean, well, it's been there the whole time because they're fixated on their iPhone app. And businessmen who are given gifts by God to see the kingdom come are so fixated on the bottom line and profit that they forget their family and they forget the responsibilities and they forget the reason they got into it in the first place. And people are struggling to move into a future that God has for them because they are so fixated on a past. Yes, maybe they're failures. Yes, maybe there's brokenness. But if we are fixed on that, we'll never move into our future. And the Bible says, will you fix your eyes on Jesus? What you fix your eyes on determines your futures, your future. Become fixated by Jesus, and I promise you'll become more and more like him. It's a natural, simple journey. But in the world, there are those four-letter words. Some of you, your mind's going there now, like kif. See, you weren't thinking kif, but to me, it's a four-letter word. It's like you don't say kif. Hey, kif. But there are those words which we know we avoid for different reasons, and they've got connotations, they've got a whole bunch of interesting ideas attached to them. There's a bunch of them in the church as well. Shall I give you some? Like obey. It's not a, it's not a parent word, it's a Bible word. It's a Bible word that we struggle to use with each other when we engage. And the Bible says, you're called to obey His word. Ah, don't put that on me, brew. I'm free. You are free to obey. Obey your parents. Yes, thank you, Lord. And um, what about hell? I mean, who shot the breeze with their mates this week around a coffee shop talking about hell? It's like we don't do that. It's like we just don't bring up hell. Don't bring up hell. Meanwhile, the Bible speaks about hell a whole lot. So there are these four-letter words. What about give? We don't, don't talk to me about giving God to me and God. Yeah, it's you and God. But the Bible speaks about giving a whole lot. There's another four-letter word that so underpins everything we believe about God, and it's this word, holy. Yeah. Holy. And the big idea today is that if we don't get the attribute of God's holiness, we just won't get any other of His attributes. I'm convinced. You can't fully understand his complete forgiveness until you fully understand his character and nature as holy. You just can't. You know, the problem is it becomes a four-letter word because, because what happens is God enters the story and all of a sudden you start making decisions for the kingdom. You start making decisions for order. He starts straightening your paths a little bit and your life begins to affront culture. It begins to affront the ways you used to walk. It begins to affront the decisions you used to make. And so, yes, in practical terms, maybe you won't go to places you went before. Maybe you won't do things you did before or say things the way you said them before. And it creates an us and then dynamic. It's a challenge because we live in a church world that a that hundred years ago was obsessed about personal holiness, and yes, everyone's going to fall short. But now we live in a church world that is obsessed with personal happiness. And it was never meant to be. I'm called to a journey to become like Jesus. 
And if I ask people, and it's amazing, even when I spoke to people out preaching in the series, loving comes up, and, and God is love, and God is forgiveness, and God is all these amazing things, and we love those. We love the ideas of God, this big dad that's going to run, but we don't like the ideas where God is judge. You know that there will be a day where holiness will be perfected because he will return and he will judge. I didn't make it up. But when I forget that, I forget that there's a day coming and I don't live with an urgency in my life. We are called to live with something of an urgency in our lives. And the challenge, we have this quest for cultural relevance. So we start quickly forsaking things like holiness. We just put them aside. And the problem is you start looking at the statistics of the church in areas like divorce, in areas like like um, extramarital sex, pornography, consumption, um, materialism, racism, just to name a few. And unfortunately, the statistics, statistics, statistics are not that different. And I think in a quest for cultural relevance, and I'm all about cultural relevance, these skinny jeans aren't that comfortable. But if they work for the gospel, they work. I'm trying, yeah. Eugene Peterson says this. There is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. I'm just an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, in a journey to become like the one who is holy, the holy one, Jesus. It's a long journey. It's not a short road journey. It's not a six-week course at church. I wish it was. Honestly, honestly, sir or ma'am, I wish it was. I've been doing this journey for most of my life, and I don't even think I'm anywhere there. I'm on a journey. So Gabe told me a good preacher's three points. Here we go. The first one's easy. God is holy. The second one, God calls us to be holy. And the third one, he helps us to be holy. Oh, those are right, Gabe. Just three, yeah? That's it. Yeah. See what happens. You go on holiday. It all falls apart. <laughs> and um, Sorry, I have to get rid of this. Get sin that easily entangles. Get rid of it. And, um, but God is holy. John Piper says this. God is holy means God is God. What do I mean by that? Well, holy and holiness. See, there's only one attribute of God that is mentioned three times in a row. Holy, holy, holy. Revelations 4, every other encounter, they get caught and overwhelmed. Holy, holy, holy. There is no other attribute of God mentioned more than the holiness of God in the Bible. Nothing more than the holiness of God. Because the root meaning of holiness is to cut or to separate. And in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, and we're going to explain the implications of that, because they're huge and they're awesome, but you would have a holy temple. You would have holy clothing. You would have holy priests. You would have holy food. You would have holy garments. You would have a holy city. But what happens when God applies the definition of holiness to himself? Because there's nothing to compare to and nothing to separate from. He can't separate himself from himself. 
See, God's character is never determined by anything outside of himself, ever. So what about the rules? Well, he can't keep the rules. He made the rules. What about the law? No, he, it's, he's not above or beyond the law. The law is there to reveal him. God is holy. It's awesome. And um, how are these scriptures about our king? 1 Samuel 2 verse 2. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides thee. Isaiah 40 verse 25. To whom then will we compare thee that I should be like him, says the Holy One. He's talking about himself. And I joked this morning. I said, probably only Ronaldo would make a statement like that. He says, who can I compare thee? Um, sorry. And um, that, that was uncalled for. And, um, but, but here's the, the fact of the matter. We live in a world where somehow God's love and God's holiness are enemies fighting and tensioning up. And they're not. They are perfect partners in the perfect gospel when we understand the king. But to understand the king is to come under him, to come under his rule and reign, and to come under the authority of his word. And when I come under his authority of his word, I can begin to understand the fullness of who he is and how amazing he is. God is holy. And there are a million scriptures I can run to. But go and study the holiness of the living God, and you'll see he will not and cannot be compared to anything. And to become holy is to be separate from. So the second point, God calls us to be holy. It's a radical thing. And uh, see, I think often in the church we're more prepared to sing about it than to chase it then to celebrate it, then to strive for a life of holiness. And the enemy speaks and discounts. You will never pull it off. Well, here's the truth, sir or ma'am. None of us will ever pull it off on our own. Not one. And we think of holy men, and we have this idea that holiness is someone who just stays in a room quiet with a robe and maybe like floats around a little bit. And it's kind of, it's, that's not a holy man. What is holy in the new covenant is what has been separated from evil and separated for God, unto God. And the minute he pulls us out of darkness and into his light, he does that. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. How do you perfect something? You work hard on it. There's some work to be done. There's a story to unfold. And it kicks in in our lives. And and God used to define this attribute. He calls us into a story where He is revealed. In Revelations 1 verse 17, we we see the story of John, who was Jesus' best friend on the earth. He knew Him. He'd walked with Him. He'd been in the mountains with Him. He was the guy Jesus said, Will you look after my mom? He's that guy. And he'd walk with Jesus, and all of a sudden he has this vision. He's pulled into heaven, and he he comes into encounter with his friend, Jesus. He's pulled into this encounter. His first response is not to run up and say high five like some familiar person. His first response is to fall down as though dead. Why? Because only God is sinlessly perfect, because only God is holy. 
I honestly believe God stops being God in our lives when there's not something of a holy fear, something of a, wow. And yes, he picks us up. And yes, he puts his hand on our shoulder and says, don't be afraid. And yes, he is loving. And his love reaches further than the furthest ocean. But he is God. Do you want wisdom? Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Just to start the journey is to say, God, wow. I want to read a scene from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a classic scene. And, um, and, 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 and you've got Susan and Lucy and they're asking Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about Aslan, who is the Christ-like figure. And C.S. Lewis was a believer. And he unashamedly wrote the story to reveal something, an aspect, something of a revelation of who God the Father was. And it unfolds like this. They ask Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, Aslan a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie. And make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without the knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Our God is not some toothless warrior. A big marshmallow in the sky, and we're going to get to heaven one day. We're just going to run into God. I think the first time you encounter the king of kings, we'll be overcome like John was in his presence. And the greatest moments in his presence, sometimes you go on your knees because you're too fearful to look around because what if you saw God? And yes, it's the new covenant, and yes, we can see him face to face, and that's the promise, but it doesn't diminish his holiness. It doesn't diminish the fact that I am on a journey to become like him. It's a radical, radical truth. And if we don't fully get this, grace gets watered down. If we don't fully get this, forgiveness gets watered down. If we don't fully get this, God gets watered down to someone who looks more like us. a challenge in this new gospel where God is this toothless God one never to be feared and we just carry on and carry on in our brokenness and God's just going to be cool with it because he's no Proverbs 14 verse 12 there is a way that seems right but it ends in the way of death we can play games and for a while we'll think we're fine but it'll land in death. And there's got to be something of a holiness of God, a holy fear responding to the King of Kings. And if we don't have this, if we don't get the holiness of God, that we cannot play games with who God is. We are like a child walking around with a loaded weapon. Can go off at any time and we think we're fine and having time of our life. Mark, but this is the age of grace. Amen, sir. This is the new covenant. 100%. 
I'm not arguing with that. But what do you do with Ananias and Sapphira? What do you do with them? God struck them down in the new covenant. And we want to water it down. What do you do with other things? But God, the promise is God will judge and he will come. I'm not asking you to walk out of here like, ooh, where's God? Don't want to go over the stop line in case he strikes me down. This doesn't water down anything. If anything, an understanding of the holiness of God should go, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for kindness. Thank you, God, that the holy, perfect God who cannot be compared to anyone should love me, should care for me, should pull me into the story. I want to speak on point number three, that God helps us to be holy. I want to tell you that holiness is not for just the advanced Christians. Done Bible school, 20 years walking with God, got the ticket, um, um, prayed in tongues, prophesied, had three good hits there. It's like those guys, that's like the holy guys. Holiness is for every believer from the very first second they get touched by the grace of the King of Kings and washed by that blood. Oh, Mark, that's a very high standard. Well, it is a very high standard. And here's the truth. You can't pull it off on your own. But that's why it's relationship-driven. See, the basic meaning is set apart, dedicated to God, set apart to God. What am I set apart for? Well, you just set apart. And what Christians love to do sometimes, we just, we just set apart. We're just going to be different. So the world is that. I'm going to be different. We're not about being different. We're about being set apart for God, for His presence, for His glory, and to know Him. And anything else that would steal from my knowing of Him, like Adam and Eve in the garden, we begin to hide, and and all of a sudden we start being hiding. And He says, no, be set apart so that you can see Him, so you can hear Him, because He is speaking. Biblical holiness describes a unique relationship that God establishes through Jesus, and desires with you and to have with yourself and myself. Here's the trick. This relationship has moral ramifications. And to say it doesn't, I believe, is to deny the truth and the power that God is holy and that God is calling us to be like Him. And we sing the song so easily. Oh, to be like you. We sing the songs and they roll off the tips of our tongue. But if it doesn't have moral ramifications and it doesn't call me to be like Jesus. And Jonah struggled with this. He says in Jonah 4, God saves the people. says, God, I knew that you were slow to anger. He says, yes, son, I am. Will you be? Yeah, but my dad beat me. Oh, but he's no longer the determining of your future. I'm your father. So we can't fall into the trap of it's all about my holiness and and it's about my ability to be good. That's not what I'm speaking about, sir or ma'am, at all. I'm asking you to walk in relationship with the King of Kings where Jesus is the self-revealing God through His Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal himself to you. You don't have to live through my or Gabe or your home group leaders or someone else or Benny Hinn or any other person's revelation of Jesus. He reveals himself in his word amazingly. And he calls us into this amazing relationship that is more than enough to walk this journey. And it has these staggering implications, but there are two big questions that hold you. Two big questions that anchor and allow us to walk this journey. Number one, whose are you? 
Whose are you? If you're yourself, well, sorry, you won't pull this off. If your eyes are fixed on yourselves, no, but if you are His, if you are His. And the second one is, to whom do you give all your first love and loyalty and all the glory? God calls us to this radical story. And in the book of Mark, book of Mark 8, the book of Mark, chapter 8, Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? We stop speaking this because we want to water it down for people, we want to make it easy and accessible, and we live in a marketing world where we are probably all amazing marketers. And I'm telling you, we have to speak the truth. Our God is holy. It underpins the very foundation of our faith. If God is not holy, then Jesus was not sinlessly perfect, then he could not atone for our sins on that cross. But because he is holy, he could atone for every sin that I have committed, will commit on that cross forever. And it underpins our faith. And we can stand with an anchor secure in Jesus. And I want to read one more scripture. It's the scripture I read right at the beginning. But I want to read it from the message. This is how to do this walk. It's not complicated. We make things so complicated. I need to go try harder. No, no, no. The apostle's writing. He says, so roll up your sleeves. Are you prepared to do a bit of work? Are you prepared to get a little sweaty for the gospel? Are you prepared to do a little work in this journey of becoming like Jesus? He says, put your mind in gear. You've got to, sometimes you've got to put a car into gear. And then change gears. Put your mind into gear. Apply your mind. Allow the Spirit to renew your mind. It says, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into the old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. Well, it felt so good back in the day. I have amazing memories of, of babies in my house because that's all I remember. I forget the poo nappies in the middle of the night all day and catching poo in my hands. Excuse for a bad example. Just encouraging our friends here. But you forget that. And we tend to only forget the good things. So some of you think back to your days of tripping the lights out in nightclubs and you think it was amazing. And you forget the next day when every relation, when you're phoning people and, for, and asking, what did I do? Honestly. And we so easily want to slip back into that. It's rubbish. It carries on and he says, as obedient children, we are children. I am a son. You are a son or daughter of the living God. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. It's not about my thrust into the story. He says, let your life be pulled. I'm a passenger. My only call is to fix my eyes on Jesus. And he pulls me into a life of holiness. He pulls me. He woos me. I'm designed for this. I'm designed for holiness. I was made for holiness. I wasn't made to be chaotic. I wasn't made to live in brokenness. I was made for holiness. And my only job is to surrender and be pulled into holiness. He says, God, I am holy. You be holy. You call out to God for help. And he helps He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by 
with sloppy living. I said it this morning, I said it again. I phoned a guy recently who's entering a journey of having an affair, and I just said, but I'm bored. He says, what do you mean? You can't say that to me. I said, I'm bored. I'm bored of this selfish, self-obsessed, focused, sloppy living. You know Jesus, you know his truth, and you know this is chaos. It's just sloppy, and the story's predictable. It's going to end in death and brokenness unless you make a decision to worship God again and in holy fear get on your knees again and worship the King of Kings. Sloppy living leads to death. I'm designed for holy, holy living. And last scripture for tonight, Hebrews 10, verse 10. See, the display of his holiness was never perfected more than on the cross of Calvary. Never. It's perfected on that cross. When I take my eyes off and I forget, that's why we come back to the table of communion and we remember because I'm pulled again into his story when I remember. In verse 10 it says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which he can never take, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for one, for all time, one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be his footstool. God's not insecure about Brexit and bombs going off. God's not shaken. He's seated on his throne and he's waiting for his energy, his footstool. But this is the most amazing scripture. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I am perfect. When the father looks at me, he sees Jesus, my older brother, who paid a price I couldn't pay. The father sees that. But my journey... On this earth, for all the days that I have, is to become more and more like Jesus. I am perfect, being made holy, if I will allow myself to be pulled into a story called holiness. Repentance isn't a bad word, friends. It's not a harsh word. It's a gift. It frees us. And a journey to holiness isn't a burden. It's a privilege. Honestly, I think if we don't get something of this truth, it doesn't settle on our hearts, I don't think we'll get the attributes of God. And in a love for you, I want to say don't play games with God. Don't play games with the Holy King of Kings because it's not a game you're ever going to win. Submit yourself to Him. Trust Him. Allow Him to make your paths straight. I watch the Tour de France and we live in a world that loves paths that do this. Yesterday it's raining and they're hitting 90 180s and, and, and we love lives like that that are up and down and around corners and God says, trust the Lord your God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. God wants to make your paths, sir and ma'am. Maybe right now you know you are in a, a relationship, you are in a story, in a broken story, you are in something, there is brokenness. Right now it's chaos, it's rose like this. The king of heaven wants to break into your story and pull you onto a story that makes your path straight. And you know what? He's going to get all the glory. And you become 
a sign and a wonder pointing to the King of Kings. Don't play games with the living Holy One. Can we pray? Just, um, I hope I haven't been strong, but I, I, I don't want to apologize for that. I, I want to tell you that, that there are just too many people playing games and they think they can win it and they forget that he's not safe and he's not toothless. And there will be a day he will put his feet and his enemies will be his footstool. God isn't like us, friends. We are made in His image. And we work hard to try and make Him more and more like us, thinking somehow that's going to soften His perspective. And the Spirit speaks and convicts and we convict and we, we turn the deaf ear and we think, God, but God is loving. Don't walk in ignorance. That option is taken away. Walk in the fullness of knowledge that when I understand his perfection in holiness, that his grace becomes more beautiful. And then I understand that he put his self, God, the Holy Spirit came inside of me with my thoughts, with my inconsistencies, with my lack of generosity, with my arrogance at times. And he says, I'm going to put myself in you because you can't do it alone. I'm going to invest so deeply in this story. I'm going to put myself in you. Listen to that voice. Don't compromise. Take the word of God and allow him to make your path straight. And watch the God gospel story explode. I pray for your grace in this room right now, Jesus. I pray, Spirit of God, I do pray for conviction in this place. Not because of my words and not because men's eyes are watching, but because you are the holy God and the awesome Father. I pray decisions would be made tonight to stop living sloppy lives. I repent of a sloppy life, God, and I want more of you, Jesus, because as Gabe sang, only you satisfy. And I want to allow myself to be pulled into your story. And I say thank you, God. Thank you, Holy King. We're captivated by you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you.